0: It's that time. Oh my Everything and anything basketball, presented by The Outrage. With Cajun theretani Castleman, and host Spencer Byers, this is Polar Opposites.
1: Welcome everyone to Polar Opposite. I'm no longer gonna be episoding it. It'll be episoded on the on the uh, on the site on di- on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you wherever you happen to be listening to this. But I'm gonna stop saying it because we are two two a week and you know I think Cajun and I are, are gonna be consistent enough where it's not really gonna matter what episode it actually happens to be. But Spencer Byers, Cajun, The Ruth, Castle here with you episode, our new episode of Polar Opposites. Yesterday, we reviewed the Liberty and Aces game, game two. And Cage, I think we got to start there. Game two, Aces, Liberty, Las Vegas come out, 104-76 winners. Cage, I'll just, what was your overview of the game? I know you missed the first half because you were at work, but from what you saw, how did the game go between those two teams? People who didn't see it.
2: One team played beautiful basketball, the other team played like a train wreck. I don't know how I I don't know how I can sum it up better than that. Because first half, what had worked for the Liberty was feeding John Quill Jones the ball. She was seven for 10. She was one for two in the second half. Two shot attempts. The two other pl- she she also had the third most shot attempts on the Liberty team and yet led the team in scoring with twenty two points and I believe ten rebounds and four blocks. So Brianna Stewart took seventeen shots and was six of seventeen, fourteen points, thirteen rebounds. But I get Stewart taking more shots than Jones. Stewart is the MVP or the reigning MVP, although Asia Wilson did our player with twenty six and fifteen. But there is no way that Laney should be taking more shots than John Quill Jones, especially when you're going four for 15 in the field. But what's more concerning, aside from like the backcourt differential, again, 61 to 31, in favor of the Aces after a 72-28 differential in game one. The amount of times that, Spencer, me and you saw the Liberty get burned repeatedly with backdoor cuts. At At that point, it's like, I don't know if it's knowing your defensive personnel or if it's just an effort thing, but it could be, and it could be both. But the fact that that was happening repeatedly, to a degree in game one, but almost constantly in game two, I'm going to be honest, Spencer. I don't, I don't see this series going past three games.
1: You and I talked about it yesterday during the stream. That you and I both concur that this series, unless the Liberty find something they haven't shown us yet, will not be going more than three, maybe four games. If they do have a great game three that they haven't shown us yet, play a game we haven't seen yet. But no, but we talked about it yesterday um, during the stream that if you missed it, I would say go check it back out, but it is just a a live reactions to the game. So um, you can kind of hear us go through the entire uh, myself going through the first half cage and I going through the second half, but you know, 31 assists compared to 19 in favor of Las Vegas. I think that's the telltale sign that, you know, the Vegas offense was based on, Cutting actions They were not based off of just, you know, ball screen, like modern offense cage, modern offense being ball screens, being, you know, a lot of a lot of off ball screens, on ball screens. You know, it was a lot more cutting. It was a lot more off ball action, which is a more old school style. But if your defender is trying to be on the line, meaning if there was a string between the ball, the ball handler and and the path and the um the wing player, if there was a line a string attached to those two players if they're on that line between those two players, automatically that's cut that's something you teach at twelve years old Cajun. if that player mm-hmm. is up on you, you cut every time you don't even look at the ball you cut because you're going to beat them every time because you have a running start they don't. so unless they're very long or very fast, you beat them every time of the basket and Vegas did it to perfection, and there were some great passes to find those cuts, you know, and yesterday you and I really did focus on what Liberty were doing wrong more than what the Aces were doing right, because as I think you mentioned, you know, it was one great performance versus one bad performance, which is why the scoreline was 104-76, and it was a 28-point win for the Las Vegas Aces, that's why, it's because it was one team playing very well and one team playing very bad. And the score line very much showed that. And the liberty to find something. And, and Cajun, for me, I, I know my answer to this question, but I want to know your answer before I say anything. What is what if you could fix the offense or the defense for the New York Liberty, which one would you pick?
2: Honestly. As bad as they've been defensively, I think offensively it's their biggest issue. Because when you take when you take poor shots early in the shot clock or settle for threes, the aces grab the rebound. Your defense is immediately at a disadvantage trying to sprint back. So in order to like go into your defensive sets. You have to score and then reset to a degree. Quite frankly, they're not playing right defo- they're not playing right offensively. And they gotta go inside out. Feed Jones the ball. It worked for the second quarter. That's why the Liberty got back into this and made this a bit interesting at the end of the first half. But then went away from what worked in the second half. And lo and behold, it turned into a 28 point loss. Or 28 point laughter.
0: And so and it
1: got as high as 32 in the second half. Kate, it got as high as 32 in, in points in favor of Las Vegas. So,
2: so you just have you have to you have to establish Brianna Stewart and John Cole Jones on the inside to begin this off. If I don't see. John Cole Jones attempt like 20 to 25 shots. I said 35 before that might be unrealistic, but 20 to 25 shots in the game or Brianna Stewart attempt 15 to 20. Cause right now they only, they found a way to neutralize Stewart, but they haven't found a way to neutralize Jones yet. I say feed, feed the person that has, has it going the most. If she does not get twenty to twenty-five shot attempts, or or at least that many touches in the bl- on the low block, this game will uh, game three will not be close.
1: And on, I will continue that point cage like I said yesterday, and I will continue to say until I'm proven wrong. I think the Liberty need to be comfortable knowing that feeding the post is going to make the Vegas Aces eventually double. And they had a problem with that in the first half. Um, Breonna Stewart and John Cole Jones, both on separate possessions in the beginning of the first half, both got tied up and gave up jump balls to Kelsey Plum. That cannot happen. When you're being doubled by arguably the shortest player on the floor and they get a jump ball off of you, that's a problem. That is a problem because that will not only make you question of be, be, uh, of getting the ball into the post because you don't want to give a, a free jump ball, even though you would ex- exactly expect your center or power forward to beat the point guard, sec- or shooting guard, I guess, in Kelsey Plum, in a jump ball, that still does not stop the fact that you lost that position at the low block. So the Liberty need to find a way to be either be comfortable with the double, if it's Jones or, or Stewart, or you find a way to create an action that gets you open looks that you can consistently make, because they've struggled from behind the arc in this series, which is a big reason why they're not being competitive in these games. It's because they're trying to shoot themselves into the game, and they're quite literally doing the opposite of shooting themselves out of the game. Oh. And, you know, you, you mentioned something there about the defense, about if is it personnel or is it effort? And Cajun, to think we have to ask that question in game two of the WNBA finals, that's a problem. In and of itself, that's a problem. Yeah. Like that, those are questions you and I should not be asking going into a do or die game three on Sunday that you and I will be will be doing again on Sunday. With a quick look at the date on the calendar, it'll be October 15th. That's a problem. You know? Like effort shouldn't be a problem in the WNBA finals. Personnel shouldn't be a problem in the WNBA finals. Like it shouldn't yes, be in the NBA finals or the NHL finals, Stanley Cup playoffs, or the, you know, or the, the, Super Bowl, the NFL playoffs, you know, that cannot be a question or there will not be a chance. And as we've seen through two games, Cajun, there really isn't a chance to Liberty because they haven't played well in either game one or game two. Other than maybe the first um, half in Game One, even though I think that's more the Aces than I play really well in Game in Game One, the first over. half. So, you know, it's a struggle it for again. the Aces, and we'll see. I guess struggle for the uh, struggle for the Liberty part of me. We'll see if the Aces can clean sweep them and be the ninth team to beat a team that was down two zero in the. WNBA Finals.
0: Because again, teams that are 0 and 2 in the
1: WNBA Finals, 0 and 8, 0 for 17 total in the playoffs. So if they
2: don't, if they don't get it together, it'll be 0 and 18 and 0 and 9.
1: It will be Cage. I I completely agree with that. It will, will be. It'll it'll only be adding to the loss column if they don't find a way to get something going. Between New York and Las Vegas. Again, game 3 We'll be in Brooklyn, though. We'll be at Barkley Center. I believe the Brooklyn Nets play, might I add. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if Liberty can do it, Cage. I don't I don't see it. I don't, but I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. As we'll now quickly move over to Damian Lillard making his debut, at least preseason debut. With the Milwaukee Bucks, he got his start on Sunday, and Giannis was in the lineup, so both stars were on the floor together. Cajun, just I, I assume you didn't watch the game because no offense, We don't watch preseason basketball. God, I don't watch I don't watch real NBA basketball, let alone preseason NBA basketball. But mm-hmm.
2: go on,
1: you know. What what should we expect? And I guess I should say that they're both making their debuts on Sunday. They have they have not played their games just yet. The Milwaukee Bucks have played a couple of preseason games, but they're still waiting to make their debuts, and it will be this Sunday. What should obviously it's preseason, but I guess we can preview what should what should fans and what should we as I'll say analysts here in this particular scenario expect from a Lillard Giannis duo going into the season.
0: Well, for one, oh, for this, or for
2: this season, there's going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some growing pains on both ends of the floor. And you would think, oh, maybe not so much offensively because loaded can let it fly from like thirty to thirty-five feet out, and then Giannis has free rain inside the inside the lane and in, in the paint. But that's not easy to do. But that's not easy to establish early on unless unless you're say the two thousand eight Boston Celtics or when Kevin Durant played his first season with the Warriors There's going to be some struggle offensively. Some cohesion. Like there might be like a my your turn my turn thing at the beginning like sometimes KD and Russell Westbrook did back in OKC in the clutch I think the biggest adjustment is going to be adjustment is going to be defensively because Damian Lillard is not even close to being the same caliber of defender as Drew Holiday was he might he, in fact he, he during his Portland days he was probably in net, net negative so I think that's the biggest adjustment, because you don't have that point of attack defender anymore in Drew Holiday, and said Lillard. Lillard it's Lillard that has to buy into the defensive philosophy for the buck, from the Bucks. Also with a new head coach too, might I not add, in Adrian Griffin. So I think the fruits of that labor aren't really going to show until postseason time. I think this regular season is going to be a case of tinkering to see what works best, not only for the two of them with their two-man game, but also with the Bucks' schemes on both ends of the floor. I think there's going to be moments where that their talent and their dynamic potential will shine, but there's going to be moments of struggle, especially early during the regular season. But I think going through that will payoff come come when it matters most, which is the postseason.
1: Well, I also do want to mention, Cage, that this team is not just like a, a short uh, bench team. They have Brooke Lopez still. They have Malik Beasley now as well, coming probably most likely coming off the bench. Obviously, they have Robin Lopez. You know, they got some guys still there, Cameron Payne, who they just signed recently. Obviously, they have Giannis and Lillard and Middleton. Like, this Bucks team's pretty deep, too, which... Even gets you a little more worried for the other teams in the East, including the Boston Celtics.
2: And I believe they still have Connaughton.
1: They uh, do still have Pat Connaughton. And Bobby Portis, who I don't want to mention, and Jay Crowder. So this Milwaukee Bucks why? team. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why,
2: why do you not want to mention Bobby Portis? Why do you want, not want to mention um
1: Crazy guys? Oh, well, because he's a bum anyway. He's a bum. <laughs> But eight off the bench, huh?
2: Fifteen and eight off the bench.
1: Uh, Yeah, when he's playing against the reserves, when it's garbage (laughs) time, maybe I don't know. You know, like just not not my guy. You know what I mean? Not my not my guy. And before we keep moving here, preseason action continues in the NBA. A couple of European teams, caged. a couple teams from uh, non-NBA leagues have been playing in the preseason this year. You know, a couple big wins for uh, some NBA teams specifically, just looking at the uh, looking at the, the Scott box scores. Uh, Washington crushing the, I don't even know what the name of this team is, but they're called the Taipans, 145-82.
2: Karen's Taipans, who you do know. play at Scotiabank Arena against the Raptors on Sunday.
1: Well, there you go. And then you got the New Zealand Breakers, who lost 106-66 to the Portland Trailblazers. But I think, Cage, the funniest one is, again, some other teams are playing against some some teams that are not from the NBA. The Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic, former Real Madrid point guard, played against his former Spanish club of the EuroLeague and the Spanish top division. And Los Blancos beat... The Mavericks, 127-123, and it was a dagger at the end of the game for Madrid to be able to pull away from, you know, their former star player. And I'm not sure who actually won the EuroLeague this year, as I quickly go look, Cage, but, you know, does this add to Noah Lyles' point? We've talked about throughout this, you know, the duration of this show, since he said that the... NBA champion is not a world champion. They're a national champion, which, again, he's not factually wrong, to make sure we continue to say that point. It is more just a feeling that he's wrong because, you know, no offense, but the Euro League does not compare to the NBA talent-wise.
2: Uh, after this game, I think he's right, to say the least. He, uh, he's speaking straight facts. Uh, <laughs> if I If you're wondering... If you're wondering why I'm saying it in that manner, I'm being
1: sarcastic. Uh, Actually, Cajun, before before you continue, I will quickly say the current reigning champions are Real Madrid. There you go. Real Madrid are the 11th time champions of the Euroleague. Most championships, as well, might I add, are Real Madrid. So, you know, they are a top class club. Not even trying to take that away from them. But I think I still think the reality is, Cage, that you know Luka Doncic played four minutes against Real Madrid, and they only lost by four.
2: Well, in fairness, Real Madrid had has players that have played in the NBA before. Uh, Gershon Yabusele, a former Celtic, eighteen points, nine rebounds. Uh, Facundo Campazzo. Former Nuggets point guard,
1: and he got the, 20, he got the dagger at the end of the fourth quarter.
2: Twenty points, six rebounds, eight assists. Rudy Fernandez played for the Trailblazers once upon a time. In four threes, had fourteen points. Mario Hizonia is on that team, and he was drafted. I'm not sure what draft it was, but I know it was just over He plays Rob.
0: basketball.
2: He does. Oh my God. And he was drafted fifth overall by the Magic. Well, that was a great draft pick, by the way. Um, I believe Vincent Poirier and Eddie Tavares played in the NBA at some point in their careers. And so did Sergio Rodriguez at one point. I think he played for the Tanking Sixers back when the process was in its infant stages. So they do have NBA talent there. They've had talent they've had talent that have had a cup of coffee in their in the, either in the NBA or have played a couple of years in the NBA. So is there on the Euroleague side of things, but not to the same degree of the not to the same degree of the NBA. Can't really buy too much into that because Dallas did not Luca only played like five minutes. Kyrie didn't even play. And Dallas is just trying to figure out a rotation, especially in the center in, in the center position. Dallas is trying to figure things out. So I don't really buy too much into it. It's a preseason game. Guys are having fun. I don't think Dallas really. Dallas really like. I don't think If if Dallas went into this as a must win game, I think this score would have looked a lot more different. But I don't buy too much stock into it.
1: I will quickly mention that sadly, there will be no matchup between the reigning NBA champion Denver Nuggets and reigning Euroleague champion. Uh, Real Madrid, which see, that, kind see, of that, was, Cajun.
2: that was a missed opportunity. Could have proven Noah Lyle's wrong, but yet, <laughs> Mad's laughing all the way to the bank right now with these words.
1: Sadly, he is. And to mention that, Cage, we've talked about rookies that have had really good performances and I just scanned through the uh, Denver Nuggets lineup and a kid I really liked because as we all know, I love me some college ball.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Julian Strother, who had 20 points, five rebounds, and three assists on rather efficient shooting, eight for 12 from the floor, eight or four from seven from three. You know, Strother playing his way into a role in that Nuggets rotation. He was an older player at Gonzaga. I expected he was going to get some good minutes because normally when teams draft older <coughs> college players and not the one-and-dones, it's because they they want a more finished product of what they're going to be. And Julian Strother is a really good player and was probably the best bulldog this this past season because Gonzaga was kind of in a transitional year after having the year with Jalen Suggs. and and Corey Kispert, and Drew Timmy, obviously, and then going to Drew Timmy and Jet Holmgren. And obviously, Drew Timmy was on the team last year, and he is a great player, but I think Strothler was the most high upside of the Bulldogs because we all know that Drew Timmy's athleticism does haunt him a little bit. And right now, he is actually with the, with the Milwaukee Bucks, might I add. So not trying to take anything away from Drew Timmy, who is another really good finished player. Mhm, but you know, always want to shout out when the rookies are doing well, guys who you know may kind of fall under the radar just due to their draft position and what they were seen as before the draft took place, and Straths are yep. looking really good, might I add, really good for his team
2: and I think in the on the Denver side, they really lost a lot of depth of the off season. Uh, Jeff Green, I believe, going to the Rockets. My favorite player, Bruce Brown Jr. going to the Pacers, who I think are gonna be a really good team in the East. So there's going to be a lot of guys that need to a lot of guys that need to step up in new roles. And maybe Strother's another could fill in that role. Could fill one of those roles. Talked about Peyton Peyton Watson, another one of those names that would that that that'll play. Warm minutes and will play a more major role than he did last season. Christian Braun showed showed a little bit of something in the finals, especially in Game Three. He's gonna play a bigger role. Nick Nolte, if he can show show a little bit of something, Reggie Jackson. They just brought back they just brought back, so he's gonna bench compared to how he did last postseason. So there's a lot of guys that have to step up in major roles, and if Julian Strother can fill in a role off of the bench for the Nuggets capably, I think that'll be I think that'll be huge, and that'll make Denver more dangerous.
1: Now, Cage, I gotta mention one more team before we continue: the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have so many young guys. Like sometimes I forget how many young players they actually have. They have a ridiculous amount of young talent. Did you know that the o- the Oklahoma City Thunder have Victor Oladipo? I do. I did not know that. That is new to me. Of obviously, well, SGA, they are one of two three players who did not play in their most recent preseason game, but like they still had Jeremiah Robinson Earl, former Villanova Wildcat under Coach Wright. They have Keontae Johnson. The most recent lovable story out of K-State last year. They obviously have, as I believe that is Trey Man. They have, Mm -hmm. I believe that is, I want to say Isaiah Joe. It is Isaiah Joe. Both really young players. They also, again, continue the two Williamses, both Jay Williams, Josh Giddy. Kaysen Wallace, who started their most recent preseason game, first draft pick out of Kentucky. Chet Holmgren, who didn't even play last year because of a Liz Frank fracture, which if you didn't know, a Liz Frank fracture is a break of the metatarsal in the foot. Normally on the bottom of the foot, might I add. But anyway. And mm-hmm. Lou Dort, of course. Like, this team is ridiculously young. So you and I are gonna probably put them rather high in our Western Conference standings. But I'm gonna make sure I say now and probably will say when I predict them where I where I do in the in the standings next year. They could go three three spots up or down from wherever you and I put them. Because if everyone plays well, they'll be here. If everyone doesn't play well because they're young, they're gonna be here. But if you average it out, they're gonna be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're a team like a very high upside, but their floor could be really low, even with a first-team All-NBA player like SGA, just purely based off of youth and having to really battle through that.
2: Well, I think an underrated part of what, like, we've talked about Lou Dort, SGA, but I think Josh Giddy is what's going to break this team, make or break this team. Because a do-it-all point guard, um, really the only thing missing for him is a consistent jump shot. Um, he thinks the game at a very high level and I think if he can get all the young guys together to buy to to buy in at least offensively with moving the ball around that'll be huge that'll be huge if he takes another step offensively With becoming more of a threat on the offensive end of the floor, like keeping defenses honest with a jumper, with with a consistent jumper, OKC will be even more dangerous.
1: Well, one more team I want to mention here, Cage, before we kind of move off of um, the preseason for a minute, the Boston Celtics, Cage. They beat the New York Knicks in their most recent game, or lost the New York Knicks in their most recent uh, preseason game, 114-107. And I do tell a lie. It was their last preseason game. Their most recent preseason game was actually uh, yesterday, and that was a win over the Philadelphia 76ers. But Peyton Pritchard has been really good for the Boston Celtics. In the preseason. And I think he's really proving why Brad Stevens made the moves he made in the preseason, getting rid of all the Marcus smart and getting rid of Malcolm Brogdon because he wanted to get minutes to Peyton Pritchard without losing D. White and getting a really good point guard in Drew Holiday. And he did that because Peyton Mm -hmm. Pritchard is showing is showing out with 17 points in game one against Philly. Or, or the most recent game against Philly, he had 26 in the first game against Philly and 21 in the game as I was mentioning there against New York. So he is really doing well, shooting the ball wise for the Celtics.
2: And that's what Boston needs coming off the bench. Um, they really lost a lot of. They they are really a top heavy team and have really lost a lot of depth. You mentioned Smart, did but also Robert Williams the third and then Grant Williams at at the same time too so somebody had to step up in a huge role and if this is what to expect from Peyton Pritchard I think the Celtics will be in good hands
1: yeah they what they went from two Williams to no Williams in all of about a couple weeks and I also want to mention Delanto Banton had 20 against the Knicks he had none against Philadelphia no points I guess I could <laughs> clarify but you know it's Really interesting to see how the Celtics are kind of slowly developing a couple of their other really young players like J.D. Davison, who is a point guard out of Alabama. They drafted him as kind of a project player. We'll see if he plays any factor in the guard rotation. I don't expect to play much of a role, but we'll see if he does end up having any role with the Celtics this season.
2: I mean, that's kind of going to be a win for both of us if Boston wins at all, because your favorite team wins. And my boy, Banton, from Rexdale wins the ring.
1: I mean, if that makes you feel better, I guess I'll I'll take it, Cage. You can jump on the bandwagon if you want. It's okay. I'll always You're always accepted on the Boston bandwagon, Cage. You're always accepted on the Boston bandwagon, just so you Bat-
2: know. Banton's from Rexdale. Let's not get carried away. No, no, <laughs> Let's no, how no, get- no,
1: It's okay. No, I'm not getting carried away. All I'm hearing is jumping on Boston bandwagon. It's perfect, Kate. It's perfect. We can we can put yeah. that in the start of the episode. It's okay. Cajun jumps on Boston bandwagon. It's perfect. Perfect.
2: Toronto, Toronto gets a ring in the process because of. Branch no, that Baker. that's yeah. a
1: that is a fabrication at best. That's a fabrication as an overestimation yeah. of Delanto's yeah. role.
2: Well, wouldn't the Larry O'Brien if player if players are allowed to take the trophies to their respective hometowns, wouldn't the Larry O'Brien Trophy go to Toronto
1: for what all of a day? So you can go Still, see it for a second time and kind of wish it back to Toronto, which will never come because the Toronto Raptors suck. Hey,
2: man, as of a, as a right now, Toronto has won a ring more recently than the Celtics. And I'm going to live and die on that hill.
1: You're going to live and die on that hill, eh? Yeah. Well, for better or for worse. I think it's going to be for worst. As I'm just trying to find something before we go to the board cage, and I'm trying to stall here to get one more piece of information before I give you the names, because I only have two today. I'm just trying to okay. figure out if there's a name for this particular thing I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to grab here. Because I know they like naming things off of players. I think you know what I mean by that. Like awards mm-hmm. and stuff, that they like to name it after people. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a name for this specifically or if it is just called this. And it looks like it is just called this, so um, we're gonna quickly then just say, all right, Gage, And So I'll give you the first one. Actually, okay. you know what? I'll give you the second one first. Okay. All right. Now, okay. I'm only gonna do the last, the last two words of this particular. It's not a person, might I add. It's a thing. It is still okay. a noun, just not a person. It's a thing. So, I-A-S-F-N-L space V-P-M.
2: Finals MVP.
1: WNBA Finals MVP, Cage. You and I talked about it yesterday. I'm not sure if you can pick one between the Las Vegas Aces, starting three guards, and A.J. Wilson. I don't know. When you said you think one of the three guards will win it. I think AJ Wilson with 30 points in Game 3 is going to win it. That still remains to be seen. She'll be able to do that. But still, you know, it, it is really going to be a tight race for that Finals MVP. And I think Game 3 is going to be a big component to who ends up winning that award.
2: hmm Well, as of right now, and I'm looking at their postseason stat. Asia Wilson is leading the Charger tw- almost 25 points and 11 rebounds per game, almost three blocks, over a steal and a half. Kelsey Plum is second in scoring with 18.4. Jackie Young is third in scoring with 18 points per game. And Chelsea Gray, 16.3 points per game, five rebounds. 7.4 assists a team hot. Now, that's started the postseason, but if we're going finals, that's where it gets a little bit interesting because the only reason why I'm kind of hesitant in Asia Wilson as of right now, she was the fourth leading scorer in Game 1.
1: It's because you're a hater.
2: It's, okay. it's because you're a hater. I mean, in a in a in a race in a race that that is as close as this, you gotta play, You gotta use slim pickings. You gotta maybe, use. You gotta use slim pickings and you, um.
1: You gotta pull a skip Bayless and start pulling at strings. eh? you gotta start pulling out l- l- the little things. You know, not a clutch player. Cage, not a clutch player.
2: I never said she wasn't.
1: Well, I know you didn't.
2: <laughs> um. But I, I don't know. Like that—that'll be my answer. I don't know. I guess it's whoever. I guess it's what you said. It's what you said earlier, Spence. It's whoever breaks out in Game Three. But if the, if the same thing happens for the, like in Game Three, like it did for the first two games, hey, give, like cut out, cut off a quarter of the trophy and give it to either Gray, Plum, Young, or Wilson at that no, point, hit, that'd be a... Just hit it, that'd it to Becky be
1: a, and say, Becky, you make the choice.
2: I lie. Uh, like, that might, be a better, that might be a better answer than just picking one out of the four because any one of those four deserve it at this point.
1: And again, I do want to mention Chelsea Gray is right now the reigning finals MVP. So we'll see if Gray can double up on the award or if it will be passed to one of her guard mates in Plum or Jackie Young, or it goes to the third-place MVP voter and has won a MVP, Asia Wilson. We'll see if Asia Wilson can add it to her CV of a litany of other things, including Defensive Player of the Year MVP and, you know, first-team all-star, all-star game, you know, litany of awards she has already. Only thing she's missing, Cage, is the finals MVP. Might as well give it to her.
2: Yeah. I was going to say that, but you beat me to the punch.
1: Well, sometimes I'm just a little too quick for you. My last name, Cage, before we keep moving, L-G-E-H-N-O-M-R.
2: Chet Holmgren.
1: It is Chet Holmgren, and the reason we're talking about Chet Holmgren again is because the San Antonio Spurs played against Oklahoma City. And Victor Wembenyama and, of course, Chet Holmgren had... Eerily similar games in a 122-121 win for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Chet Holmgren had 21 points and nine rebounds with only one block. Victor Wembenyama for the mm-hmm. San Antonio had 20 points, five rebounds, two steals, and a block. Playing power forward, not center, but close enough with how tall and just fantastic those two players are. And to mention, Chet got twenty-one and nine in only sixteen minutes of play. Wembenyama had twenty and five in nineteen minutes of play.
2: These two better have healthy careers, because if they do, they're the I'm future of there. the league. They're the future of the league. They are going to push. They are going to push the NBA into a whole other different stratosphere with their play, and it's. I am thrilled to see Holmgren back on the court and not looking like he missed a beat. And I think if anything, like in terms of like rookie of the year.
1: This could be one thoughts. of the most interesting races we ever seen for rookie of the year, kid.
2: And I arguably think Holmgren has an edge because. He's had the extra year. He's had the extra year. A la Ben Simmons.
1: Um, I la Joel Embiid who had three years. But he didn't even win the award. It was Brogdon. Really? I, see, I, I didn't think he won it, but he still had three years off, so he had a better chance at it.
2: Yeah, but he also got hurt for like half the season.
1: Oh, he's a Band-Aid, okay? He is a okay. Band-Aid. We will, yeah. we will not we will not skip over the fact that Joel Embiid is a Band-Aid, which hopefully Victor Mamanyama and Chet Holmgren are not. And again, Chet Holmgren is coming off of a foot injury of Liz Frank variety. But I will completely admit my bias, Cajun. I love Chet Holmgren. I loved him in Gonzaga for Coach Few. Because, again, I love college ball. So when you talk about, and I love Gonzaga. So I'm a big homegrown fan. I think the world of him. I think he's going to be a great player. And I think Oklahoma City have some absolute game breakers in Homegren and Shea Gilders-Alexander. Which is and, fantastic to see.
2: And Giddy, Dort, Jalen Williams, too. Big role. Last season as a rookie, And he's gonna have another year of seasoning. So, yeah, this like this Thunder team is scary.
1: they I think this... they they look dangerous on paper,
2: and they exceeded expectations last season when they had when people saw the roster and thought they had no business doing so, especially with Holmgren out for that season. So imagine with the amount of talent that they have now. And and I think San Antonio is San Antonio will be a lot better than people think. I don't think they're going to be a playing team. (laughs) But I think they go they they might probably win thirty games.
1: Which is a big improvement for a team who's been kind of bottoming out for Forever, it feels like.
2: But
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, we'll see. We'll see if we'll see what the Oklahoma City Thunder look like with their youthful lineup. We'll see what the San Antonio Spurs look like with Coach Pop and the newest franchise, quote unquote, player in Victor Wembanyama.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But before we go, as I got to go quickly, look at my lineup. I think we're going to go first, Cage. I think we're I think we're going to end with Charlotte with what whatever's going on there after Jordan's sailed. It seems like Michael Jordan's left and the whole boat's falling apart, even though with Michael Jordan, the boat was already sinking. As the Oklahoma City Thunder, we keep talking about with SGA, with Lou Dort, Lou Dort from Montreal, SGA from Hamilton. They're playing at the Bell Centre in Montreal. So the, uh, oh God, I was going to pronounce it in French, Cage, and my brain went, no, I'm not even going to try. What um, is it? Uh, it's i know it's backwards it's like centre it's 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 a center of basically cuz french say backwards everything kind of, like, kind of like the montreal canadians are the uh, the uh, canada du, de montreal the canadians de montreal or whatever However, they actually pronounce it in in la quebecois belle? oh god not the nah. for a goal of course <laughs> see, you can tell I watch Hockey Cage because I'm just getting depressed thinking about the Bell Center, even though the Montreal Canadiens have been garbage most of recently, which has been great, by the way. But anyway.
2: Hey, man, they, are, hey, hey man, they almost beat the Leafs. Keyword almost.
1: Yeah, keyword almost. But uh, oh. so really nice to see them send a team that, again, is so young and has got some Canadians on it to another arena here in Canada because they are obviously are going to come to Scotiabank when the Raptors play against Oklahoma City. <laughs> So now they get to go to the Bell Center for a game that I assume SGA and Dort will play in.
2: I do hope they do it. I do hope they play because wouldn't it be SGA ironic they play? sit them?
1: Wouldn't oh man, load management, cage, load management. That's a
2: good. That's that's a great. That's a, that's a great segue into what could what could be next on our thing, on, on our list, because. Holy, bro! If they if they go to the Bell Center and they sit out s g and Doors and Dor's from Montreal too, I I I was like, what was the point of going to the Bell Center in the first place?
0: What are we
1: doing? Um, that is a very good point, Kajan. What, what are
0: we doing? What, what 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 was the point? What are we
1: doing? <laughs> and yes, I know that is a meme of me because of course you know because most of the time I have that reaction when people say some really um. Idiotic. Questionable things. stuff. Questionable my brain, stuff. And my brain is trying to understand. And I'm like, what are we doing? Why, why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense. What are we doing? But another thing yeah. I want to mention, Cage. We didn't even have in the lineup, but I want to say before we get to our final topic again, because I, I want to end with Charlotte because Charlotte has become a dump, dumpster fire of dumpster fires.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Reebok, the company of Reebok, there uh, of the obviously the shoe brand most notably, has hired two NBA legends. Shaquille O'Neal, the big, sh- the big Diesel, and Allen Iverson have been added as the president of basketball for the company. And Shaquille O'Neal and the vice president is Allen Allen Iverson. So I'm surprised that that i that- say this is happening.
2: Yeah. um as I'm reading into this right now.
1: It seems like they are going to be more components of the player recruitment process trying to get athletes to the Reebok brand since they split from Adidas. Um,
2: Well, I believe AI was with Reebok for a while, and had like, eventually had the answer shoe line and Shaq was with Reebok back, back in the days, but this is a great thing for Reebok because at least I could say this for Shaq. Shaq is a great business. Shaq is, is a businessman. And,
1: and they're successful at it. If you were going to say,
2: um, yeah. And I remember the, I remember back in the days where people, and I know people made fun of me for wearing shacks.
1: If your jumper looks like shack but anyway, continue.
2: <laughs> but in, in an era where she, NBA, where basketball shoes were not affordable, his shoes were. And I think that's a underrated piece of what Shaq was. Like he thought he thought he thought about the average person in mind making making those shoes. And, and like you can make fun of people for like wearing them, but they were affordable, and that means something. So bringing him on board to Reebok is going to. Boost their sales and products. Boost their product sales tremendously. And AI, man, he was he was the pioneer of how NBA players can be themselves. Literally was literally was the human guinea pig for the way he was kind of treated for his like fashion wear and whatnot. So. Yeah, somebody who's a great businessman and then you have somebody that's a pioneer that, that's a pioneer. And they both get along well too. Um it's a great thing for
1: Reebok. And we'll see if their launch uh expected launch of 2025 will be successful with their I'll say new shoes coming out by 2025 and see what athletes they can sign. Because obviously Puma's been getting into the space recently with a lot of young talent that have been coming into the NBA being signed to Puma. you still got Nike and Jordan brand. You've still got Adidas, or as they call it in Australia, Adidas, which I prefer personally. I think it's a funnier name. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of players in the basketball shoe market. We'll see if Reebok can kind of take a claim, stake a claim to being a top basketball shoe brand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As they relaunch. But now we're finally here. The gong show in Charlotte. It continues. Michael Jordan has sold his shares of the Charlotte Hornets. So he will no longer. He's no longer in charge. Been no longer in charge. We reported on that. And now all of a sudden, Cajun. So Miles Bridges, who formerly was charged with domestic violence. I believe a year and a half ago. A a year and a half ago or so. Because he sat out all of last season. Due to it, Um, he has a outstanding unserved warrant that was posed back in January. And again, it was a violation of the protection order due to a domestic violence violation. And um, it has never been served or has not been served yet. Um, The criminal summons was issued on Wednesday. So this is kind of just getting started now, even though the warrant was issued or the issue. The warrant was created, was issued in January, but was not served. Um, and then mm-hmm. it, and then to explain Bridges uh, reported that indicated the mother of Bridges, two children had had her windshield smashed in her res at her residence and that her protection order was violated by his appearance. The alleged incident happened at her residence, the station reported. And then the AP trying to find some more information out. They weren't able to. The 25-year-old is serving three years of, on probation after pleading no contest last November to one felony count of injuring a child's parent, agreeing to do so in, in, in exchange for no jail time. Um, he was a free agent at the, at the time. He was up for, uh, I'll say cage, quite a big extension floated out there that his contract may be upwards of a hundred million total. He is now on a one year, $7.9 million contract. He had 10 game suspension to serve going into this season. And now there's this outstanding warrant. So miles bridges, you know, has really kicked an NBA career down the road and around the bend. Cause I'm not going to say that this new warrant is going to be the nail in his coffin, but Sometimes, Cage, you got to cut a guy loose. And sometimes the -the off-the-court issues take away too much from his on-the-court product. And Miles Bridges might be at that point already, at such a young age in his NBA career.
2: This does look bad. This does look bad. And normally, in certain circumstances, RB's. I'd be with you. But this wasn't... But there's... There's some developments in this... In this situation since this... Since it was known that Bridges... Pleaded no contest to beating the mother of his children. Which... Was... I don't know. I was go. I, I was going to say what I wanted to say, but then I realized I can't really say what I was gonna say. Uh, we'll we'll call uh, it
1: heinous, kid. I think heinous is a good way of putting it.
2: There you go. Heinous. It's a heinous act.
1: Not one we condone, might I add. Obviously, mm-hmm. on this show, we do not condone what Miles Bridges has done, has been charged with, has pleaded guilty to.
2: But this was this was a summons from. January and I'm looking at articles here and that um they were reportedly caught and the Hornets were reportedly caught off guard and were not aware of this incident until the 11th of October according to Mike Lacet reported for Charlotte Sports Live quite frankly I find that to be a load of baloney fair enough um there is no way in, there's no way that, that you would find this out nine months after. And this is making me wonder, why is it like, if this was supposed to be served, if this was supposed to be if this was I believe um, as I'm going through it again um, if this is dating back to January, I'm just trying to figure out why is this coming out now? Or, well, the summons came out Wednesday, but like, if he had violated a protective order, why did it take this long? Especially with the act as heinous as that was. And another thing that I think, like, I talked to you about this yesterday, was that Michelle Johnson, the mother of his kids, and who actually posted. On social media, like her injuries, her physical injuries that that and like the injury, and then the, and the, like the official report, um, which was heartbreaking to see, come out and say in June, and I was looking at the dates for that because like something wasn't adding up in June, saying that Miles Bridges was not a woman beater. And you and you and you initially said that was that was some that was a load of baloney. But this was also the same person that also posted the injuries that she suffered at the hands of Bridges. So like it's just like it's just my mind's just all over the place about this. I think it's ca- I think it, I honestly think it's capped that the Hornets did not know about this till the 11th. Because come on now. Or if they didn't know, they stupid.
1: There's there's no way of pleading ignorance to something like this, Cage. And I think that's important for us to say. There is mm. no way or reason for you to be able to plead ignorance to something like this when he has a history of it. You know, he has a history of it because he missed all of last season. He's also suspended again for 10 games going into this season, originally, originally 30 games, but they got it down to 10 because of him missing last season. And they saying that was enough of a punishment due to him missing 82 games. So it'll end up being 92 games technically he's missed in the NBA.
2: But- See, and, and, and I think the only reason why I don't think he's going to be cut loose is because, like, that state, I think that statement is just crap. That's, that's, um, a load of crap. It's a load of crap. They need, uh, th- There's no way they didn't know about this. If it was some. If if it, if it, if, it, if this was from January. If if this if he had no way, like, something's not right with this. Something just isn't right because. Domestic violence is a big thing. And if you're violating a protective order that you have to stay away from her. And then you break a windshield at a residence. One, this was in January. And it took this long to be served. A criminal service was not... It it didn't come out until yesterday. And then the mother of his kids, who did post the injuries, the traumatic injuries she suffered at the Hazard Bridges, said at around June on a tweet, Um, let me bring this up Um, in June um, actually it was May 23rd man has this year been very stressful and it's always mixed feelings about how I feel reality is everybody unintentionally I think what could I have done differently because it's a lot he's not a woman beater and all the reports aren't entirely true and I just feel like give him his chance.
1: Okay, but okay, Cage. Can I? I'm just gonna say one thing off the off this before you continue with your point. I think yes. what that sounds like to me is what she's trying to say is they had a fight, and it was a man versus a woman, and the man won. As expect, I'll say as expected, but I would say in the majority of cases the way it works out. But the reality, Cajun, is if that was the case. The outcome is still the same. He still, you you still, as a as a man, you, occasion and myself, as men, mm-hmm. do not put your hands on no lady. No. There are exceptions to that rule, but it doesn't mean you break the rule. Like, yeah, if she is hitting you a bunch and she's literally, like, trying to hurt you, then fair enough. But then you don't, you don't then commit enough force to actually injure her. You do enough to get her away from you. And then you let the authorities deal with the consequences of her actions. You don't then just go, okay, fine, it's time for me to go hammer mode and just, I'll say, injure her beyond reproach. That's just not mm-hmm. the way that works. That is not equal force at all. Because in the, in reality, most altercations that happen this way, the man will be maybe maybe injured very slightly, bruises maybe, maybe. So I think that's what that sounds like to me, Cage. It sounds like she's trying to say it was an up, it was an altercation more than it was just him coming home from the bar one night kind of thing. I think you know where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. But, now, let me, go
2: ahead. Now, let me go without saying that. What he did was horrifying and absolutely should have warranted him being out of the league in the first place. It should have warranted him being out of the league in the first place, like when it came out. But the Hornets, for reasons only known to them, didn't do that. And I think this situation, like, quite frankly, has just been mishandled by the organization. Like, cause let's be, let's be real here. He shouldn't have a place in the league in the first place.
1: You can argue he should be in prison or jail, depending on yeah. what he pleaded to. But, you know, again, at Cage, we talked about it. We talked about it a little bit on this show, more, more of a football problem at this point than a basketball problem. But I still think it, obviously, it, it, it constitutes Athletes are above the law. They always have been. They always will be. And it continues to be blatantly obvious that unless the athlete does something heinously wrong, like and it's caught on film, like Ray Rice, specifically back for again for football, there's really nothing done. Like, there really is nothing done. Like, there are isolated cases of athletes being treated like normal people. Henry Ruggs specifically, is a case of him being treated like an actual person. Michael Vick treated like an actual person, not an NFL athlete, with the dog fighting for Vick and the racing and killing a woman and her dog, I believe, in, uh, I believe it was Nevada, because he was playing for the Las Vegas Ra- Raiders at the time, for Rucks. But, you know, when is it going to be enough for, I'll say prosecutors and, and, the, and the states but even the teams, to say, okay, we are not above the law. If we do something that a normal human being would most likely go to prison for, you don't get to continue your million-dollar career. And I don't mean like, you know, they, they, it's a regular job, like you're working in an office building or you're a janitor or you work for the co- compost or, you know, garbage people. He's making 7.9, almost $8 million this season. And he has probation. Mm -hmm. He has to meet with a PO every couple weeks. And he's making $8 million a year. Or $8 million a season. We'll see if he gets an extension after that at this point.
2: Yeah. (sighs) To me, this has been, like... To me, this has been, like, he he shouldn't be in the NBA in the first place. Unfortunately, he is. Unfortunately, he is. And the Hornets acting surprised that they didn't know about the summons is, like, like, nah. That's Cap. That's Cap. Like, y'all do. Like, based off of, like, how much Charlotte is a dumpster fire, like you mentioned, like... If this was almost any other team in the NBA, he would have been he he would have been released. If he was on the Raptors, if he if he was on the Celtics, and this happened,
1: if you don't say he would have been released. I, I think yeah. there's a litany of teams, Cajun, you can talk about that have what we would say are good organizations. If this was, I think, was Indiana, and I want to make sure I say again because I truly believe this, and I'm not I believe you do, Cajun, but. If you don't, I, I think that's fine. I, I think this is, is is not a issue where it's black and white. There's a lot of gray. I believe in second chances. Truly believe in second chances. And I believe pro- innocent although proven guilty. The problem is, is he's already pleaded guilty.
2: He pleaded no contest, which...
1: Which is, which, is, ex- which is exactly guilty. It's just trying to get a... It's a plea deal to try to get you no know, prison time, which is exactly what he got. He got three years probation instead of going to prison or jail. But... I believe in innocence until we're guilty. I believe in second chances. I believe in rehabilitation. I do. But because there were really no consequences to Miles Bridges' actions, I cannot confidently say he's learned from his mistake. And that's my problem. If I knew Miles Bridges had gone to therapy, had done the due diligence, has gone to better himself, not only for his NBA prospects, but actually for himself and his family that he does have for better or for worse. You know, if I felt like he had done those things, if I feel like he had been actually, you know, deserved what he got, gotten consequences for what he did, then I feel like this conversation is different cage, but he really hasn't. So how do you have confidence in a guy that really hasn't had to be you know, hasn't really had anything taken away. He still has an NBA career. He didn't have to go to prison. I assume he still gets to see his kids, even though in the charges it was abusing a parental figure in front of their ch- in front of the children. That was a charge that they charged him with. That was not charged when he pled guilty, but pled no contest technically. But still, you know, that's a problem for me. So. Hopefully, Miles Bridges does get the help he obviously needs and is able Mm -hmm. to right his wrongs in some sort of way. Because I keep hearing the wanting to better himself, wanting to be more active in the Charlotte community. Well, I hope that's true, but you got to prove it. Actions speak louder than words, and I think his actions in the next year are going to dictate if he has an NBA career tomorrow.
2: Absolutely. Like, you hit it right on the head. You hit it right on the head. I, I think there's a ton of people that have been responsible for how poorly this has
0: been handled, though.
2: Like, that. this, like, like you said, this went unchecked. This act pretty much went unchecked, and like Bridges is a, is the primary culprit here. But there's not a culture in place in the in that Hornets organization,
0: and for a litany of other NBA teams, this wouldn't have happened. So it's just
2: this just screams a whole mess, and I hope this gets handled in a proper way. And I hope Miles Bridges gets the therapy he needs and and heals from this and actually becomes a better person from this. And the mother of his kid, and the mother of his kid, Michelle Johnson gets therapy and heals from what has what has happened and also for their kids because this has taken a toll on them seeing their parents in the on headlines for for all the wrong reasons
1: and i will also mention cajun we're going to quickly move on from bridges to end off with this we talked about the gong show going on in Charlotte. It continues. They've actually just waived first round pick of 2021 Kai Jones, the former Texas product. After requesting a trade, was waived, and he will now be a free agent if not claimed by any individual team. Um, the Charlotte Hornets with the wave will recur. $3 million in salary cap following the move. Um, but You know, obviously a a lesser story compared to Bridges in Kai Jones, but still, he's been away from the team for personal reasons. They didn't know when he was going to come back, or at least they hadn't released when he was going to come back, if he was going to come back. And now (laughs) Kai Jones will will be able to have the liberty of being a free agent and being able to go wherever he wants. But, you know, when young guys want out of your organization, when, you know, you're really struggling to keep players, that you drafted in the first round, you used a very valuable draft pick on them, and they have no interest in staying with you. That shows to a lack of organizational stability, but also a lack of just having the right brain trust in Charlotte. And that's been a problem since they were the Bobcats. That's been a problem for ever in Charlotte.
2: but I also think like I don't know if you've seen the videos from Kai Jones that he's posted on Instagram live I have not but I think you should go check them out I think there's a bigger problem with Kai Jones and I think And I had to and I had to and I had to see the and I had to see like how he was like during like a post game interview or like an interview coming off the, coming out of the draft compared to now. He was definitely on something when I saw those Instagram live videos. Like he had to. And I don't think this is more so a young like more any other case this would be a young guy situation.
0: But I think, like,
2: somebody's got to guide this young. Because the videos that I saw on IG, the IG live that I saw of, like, Kai Jones, I'm like, what is he talking? What is he talking? What is he saying? And I was very confused.
1: And. Cage, I just started listening to a little bit of one of the Instagram lives. Obviously, I haven't heard the whole thing, but I think just this, 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 the first 25 seconds is enough. So if you haven't heard Kai Jones's, you know what? I'm going to play. It. Kai Jones on Instagram Live, and I mean this in all honesty, Cage, went off the deep end, uh, apparently on Instagram Live. Here's Kai Jones live on Instagram from his account. i i think you heard enough there he um was running around the room while obviously saying whatever gibberish Marvin the Martian that was, Cage. But I think you can just tell from about the first 30 seconds of that video, he, and he kept saying drugs. I'm not sure that was just the song he was trying to sing or if he was admitting something, but...
2: He was denying that he was on Perks.
1: Well, I, he was on something. And I think it was a little stronger than Percocet. But regardless, he was obviously intoxicated at what, at what, you know, variety or what sense I don't know, but I think that's blatantly obvious that he's on something. Um, and I I hold the same sentiment you do, Cage. I hope that they find that someone can help him. If and honestly, Cage, this is an outside look. I know that he is from the Bahamas. Um, Boston has Al Horford. He's from, I believe, the Dominican Republic. You know, same part of the world. I think the Celtics, you know, could take a shot on a kid like uh, on a guy like him. Bring him in. Let Al Horford guide him through. Let Christoph Porzingis guide him through.
2: I think he's you know. from the Bahamas.
1: Yeah, he no, he is from the Bahamas. Is is Big Al from the Bahamas? I couldn't remember if he was DR or Bahamas. Bahamas. He is from the Bahamas. See, I, I was gonna say Bahamas, and I got scared and said DR. But there you go. I think the Celtics should sign Kai Jones. Let, let him and Al Horford, you know, try to create something there between a young guy and an old guy and, and try to kind of steer him the right way. You know, but I, again, you know, all of that saying that he has to want to be better to be better, and I know that's something a cliche that everyone uses quite a bit, but I genuinely mean it. You have to want to be better to be better. So if Kai Jones wants to be better and wants to continue his NBA career, the Celtics taking a chance on him and letting him work with Al Horford I think would be a very advantageous for Kai Jones and what NBA potentially might still have
2: because mm-hmm. he does have talent. He does have to, he does have talent, but you got to get his head set on straight because I'm looking at this um they had announced on September thirtieth the hornet at least the hornets that he wouldn't participate in trading camp. And he'd be out indefinitely after a series of erratic posts from his social media accounts. And then on the 9th, he publicly requested a trade on Twitter, which is now X, and then got waived two days later, which was yesterday. So I guess to sum everything up that's going on in Charlotte, Jones needs the right guidance. You know what it sounds like,
1: actually, Cajun, to to wrap it all up, and I don't mean to interrupt you here? Everyone needs guidance. They need to get some veterans in in the front office and in the locker room, players and coaches alike, that have a standard that will be upheld. Because obviously Charlotte has no standard. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to anybody in the Detroit organization. And I'm not going to be listening to this anyway, but regardless. Obviously the standard is not high enough if you have athletes acting and doing things like Miles Bridges, like Kai Jones, you know, and I'm not saying that they're not good players, that they couldn't be great players, but they need someone to hold them accountable. And it seemingly is like, no one is holding them accountable for their actions. They need some leaders inside that organization and inside that locker room that they desperately, desperately need. And maybe that's bring Campbell Walker back cage, bring Campbell Walker back to Charlotte, let him finish out his career where he started it. Mm-hmm and be a leader inside that locker room and bring some of these young guys to where they need to be professionally.
0: Yeah.
2: Because what's happening right now, ain't it? Like, it's a whole mess. It's a whole mess. And maybe bring somebody like Kemba Walker or... I'm trying to think... To think of what Howard
1: better. bring Dwight Howard back? Ironically, bring. Um, I'm trying to think of other old older guys who haven't re- technically retired yet. Um, but honestly, any guy that has high character, anyone that has been seen in the past as a high character guy, are the people they should be looking at. Anyone who you know has a reputation of being somebody that you know does. Their job does it well, does it right, but does it, you know, does it in a certain way. Yeah. So a leader of, of sorts, I guess, is what I'm really getting at. I if say somebody like
2: maybe somebody like Corey Joseph.
1: Somebody like, you know, I'll say Kelly Olynyk for the Canadian team.
0: Hmm.
2: Because they, you're you're right. Everybody on that Hornets team needs guidance. Because like, they be in the headlines for reasons other than basketball, and it ain't the right reasons.
1: And it's, yeah, it's not the right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I thought it's the complete wrong off the court issues that have been costing them time and time again.
2: And on top of that, double whammy. They're not moving forward as an organization, and they're losing games.
1: And losing a lot of it, you guys. St- and you got Lamelo Ball, who misses plenty of games, you know, with injury.
2: And then there's like, should they have picked Scoot over Brandon?
1: Yeah, and and that whole debacle,
2: like, for talent over fit. There's there's just a whole bunch of things going wrong, like going wrong with that Hornets organization and organization. And it would have been easy to play Michael Jordan, but, but now he's, he's gone, not there. Gone, yeah.
1: Now he's gone.
2: Now he's gone. So it's like,
1: who do we blame now?
2: Honestly, Mitch Kupka, uh, Kupchak at this point, because it's like he 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 needs to shoulder some of the blame too, because you came, you've come, you he came from a reputable organization in the Lakers.
1: Yeah. Reputables. Rep- they're, they're a legendary organization. I'm not sure reputable is the word I would use, Cajun.
2: Okay, le- legendary. Legendary. But the Lakers never had any of this nonsense. Go down.
1: Relative. Relative.
2: I mean, not like this.
1: N- not these type of off-the-court issues, but they've had off-the-court issues in LA, which is why I say reputable is, is in my opinion, a little iffy.
2: But it definitely was handled better.
1: Oh then what's I think, going on? I, I I'm not but, sure that's a hard i not sure that's hard, KJ, but I agree with you.
2: But but the fact that we we have to t- we have to like bring that up is an issue. Is a problem.
0: And like
2: where 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 is he in all this? Like what is he doing in all this? What is owner what are, What? Are, what is new ownership doing in all this? What is the coaching staff doing in all this? Like there isn't just one person to blame for this stone. And it would and it was the popular popular one was to blame Jordan because of
1: He was a bad owner. His, he was a bad owner. He was a, a bad, player,
2: bad was, owner. absolutely. But now we're figuring out he wasn't the only person that blame for this.
1: I do think it was a little naive to just blame Jordan, but I, I completely agree with you. It's showing now evidently that he was not obviously the only problem. And, you know, what reality is it is his circus, though, so it is, his, it is his fault ultimately, but it's not only his fault. Obviously, there's lots of other things that have been going on in that organization that have been rather mishandled and misused. So that Hornets organization, in my opinion, Cage, it's a right cleansing. You fire... Most, if not all, the executives you fire, most, if not all, of the coaching staff, you clean house and start from scratch. Because the only way you're going to be able to get exactly what this team needs, which is a facelift of facelifts.
2: Exactly. And maybe, like, worse comes to worse. I don't think they will do this. But if you want to build things the right way, maybe trade Lamelo and bring in some
1: culture rebuild. Or build do a full rebuild. Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. If it has to come down to that, then it
1: has to come down to that.
2: Because talent can only mask certain issues for so long,
1: and even then, the Hornets is talent isn't leading to wins well they just drafted second overall this year so i think that's evident too
2: and arguably their choice of this the second of that of that pick could be for the wrong reasons too could be like say i don't think it'd be like the to the degree of sam Bowie versus michael jordan type of catastrophic but it could be bad because they went for fit over talent. But either way, to some things all up, a hot mess in Charlotte.
1: It's a gong show down south. But I agree with Cage. I think I think we ran out of time, ran out of patience, ran out of time with Charlotte Hornets. So I'll be it here for us for polar opposites. Episode, I think, technically 17, but Polar Opposites for Cajun Thiru. Thanny Castle, I'm Spencer Bias. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Polar Opposites. We'll be back on Sunday at 3 p.m. for the New York Liberty versus Las Vegas Aces. Game three in Brooklyn at 3 p.m. We'll be bringing you that with our live reactions quarter by quarter. And then on Monday, we'll recap the game and whatever else has happened from now till Monday on our newest episode of your regularly scheduled Polar Opposites. Thank you so much for coming in.
2: Hope, hopefully, as a, hopefully as a fan, hopefully as a fan, come Monday, we'll be talking about a potential game four.
1: Potential game hopefully. four, which will be on Wednesday, which we would be doing as well if we get that far. But let's get to game three on Sunday and our pro- episode on Monday. So again, for Cajun, Theo Thanny Danny Kassel, I'm Spencer, Spencer Byers. Thank you for listening to Polar Opposites here on The Outrage, Inc.